Hello everybody, I'm Colin D. Ellis and welcome to the Culture and Coffee podcast, where every episode I discuss a new topic of workplace culture and provide some insights and some practical things for you to do. Don't forget to like, subscribe and to share with people who you may think would be interested. Okay, let's get on with today's episode. Hello everybody, it's Colin here. Welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast. I have my Guatemalan coffee uh, ready to go here. I really like the uh, Central American coffees, Guatemala and uh, Costa Rica, uh, particular favourite. So um, yeah, so let's get cracking on today's episode where I'm going to be talking about solving the back to office struggle. Now you might be one of these uh, organisations if you're an office worker you most likely are wherever you are in the world. Even if you're not an office worker, maybe you're on a sports team. I know a number of people on sports teams listen to the podcast. But but this issue affects pretty much everybody because it's about uh, workers' rights. It's about, really, it's really about the future of work. So even if you may not be affected right now, you, you more likely be affected in the future. Indeed, indeed. In Australia, uh, where I am at the minute, um, the Prime Minister was talking about it last week. They're investigating whether to change uh, what we call a standard employment agreement here. But kind of dumbing it down here a little bit. But a standard employment agreement is something that we create in every country for largely for government unionised workers. And they're talking about changing it to build in uh, the opportunity to work remotely, or, uh, the work away from the office and it's a conundrum it's a real conundrum because for the most part leaders are really stuck between a rock and a hard place the you know certainly a lot of the things that I hear are from from senior people we can't get people back into the office productivity is slipping our trust is really low Uh, people are throwing sickies on nice days that's when I hear although I did read a statistic that the number of rounds of golf in an afternoon uh, on a Thursday randomly has gone up at like 80% or something like that in America. Um, so there's, a, you know, there's a, there's a fair, some fair few challenges out there at the minute with regards to kind of solving this issue. But it's a conundrum for leaders because most people in leadership positions uh, right now grew up um, working kind of nine to five in an office and that's what they know and I do think that we forget that we've never done this before and um, that means that we we've really got to think about it differently now I'm talking about we I mean kind of leadership teams people in culture departments employees as well because during the pandemic you know what we were able to do was prove that remote work could be done it's something that i've been championing for years now for those of you who read the the hybrid handbook um which i wrote about this you should go and read it. it's worth five dollars of your money the hybrid handbook you can get it on uh, amazon as kindle uh, but i was working remotely in 2001 yeah when i was nine no um but i was i was uh working remotely then i had a laptop I had a massive phone that weighed you know like a ton Ericsson phone like a brick in my hand uh, uh, but but what made the difference I was talking about this last week was the fact that we were that we were trusted 
We didn't have a permanent office space. We had a base that we could use, but we were trusted to do the right thing. Not only that, uh, but we actually took the time to build the team culture. We didn't call it culture then, but we, you know, we kind of agreed how we would operate as a team uh, prior to prior to that time. So we we create we created the foundations for successful hybrid working. So as I as I kind of go through today's episode, I'm really going to talk about how how do you solve this struggle. The 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 short answer is everybody has to give a little bit of something and that's often hard because uh senior leaders want to dictate the culture employees want to dictate their working conditions uh, and i and i and i understand both sides i'm, I'm hybrid work agnostic if there's such a thing and what the, what that mean because because you know as a culture consultant who works with organizations around the world you know and big ones and little ones you know, I worked with a dental surgery a few weeks back um is everybody needs something different and i think that that's where you have to start uh, with this is the um, kind of what what is it that the organization needs what, what what does it need to deliver its services what does it need to produce its products uh, and then crucially what does it need to do to keep people connected to each other now there are some uh, organizations that are kind of remote only remote first and those organizations have to work, work extra hard to maintain a real strong working culture. And yet some of them are highly productive. Um, I, you know, I've talked before on the podcast about a company called Zapier. Uh, they're a remote first company. Many other tech companies are, are going remote first. Now, you know, the, the tech companies are often in the news. They're often in the media going, everybody should be remote first. I mean, I mean, they, they, they have a privileged position, the tech companies. But they also have to recognize, because they're usually run by billionaire bros, right? But they, they recognize that they have to fight for talent. So they have to be ahead of the game when it comes to creating a modern workplace, modern working conditions. They also have the benefit of the fact that and they've got good technology. They have a lot of money, so it's easier to do. You know, I was joking on stage a couple of weeks ago uh, that the very few of the billionaire tech companies need to call the police to remove union staff who won't work, which happened to one of my clients uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, 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 but having said that, they work extra hard on culture. You know, Marissa Mayer is the ex-CEO of Yahoo just last week said, you know, I think it's really hard to join an organization that's fully remote because the notion of culture gets lost. And that's true to a point. Yeah, it does. But only if you stop working on it. I think traditionally organizations haven't worked on the culture. I think there's a recognition now that culture is important. You know, I wrote uh, an article last week about kind of the results for CEO, you know, um, the, 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 who, who really focused on driving performance, you know, really focused on, well, what's the result that we need to get at the end of this? Um, and, and, you know, kind of that's a, that's a very, now in 2024, that's a very old fashioned position to take, um, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not, but being all results, results, results isn't, isn't what people are looking for. Then you've got the kind of stability first. 
leaders and they're focused really on not rocking the boat. And, you know, there's an admirability about that too. Uh, but you need a level of dissonance, a level of change in order to, to kind of positively evolve. And hybrid work is part of that. What you can't afford to do is go, oh, we'll just wait for things to settle down and then we'll call everybody back into the office. It's like trying to get honey back in a jar, right? As soon as you take honey out of a jar, it doesn't want to go back in. And when you, if you do get it back in, it's really messy, it's really, really messy. Uh, whereas culture first leaders, they recognize the, the world of work has changed. You can go back and, and read that blog. You can go onto my website or something. Then, um, they, they recognize that the world has changed. And because working conditions have changed, what's required is a change in culture. And um, you can't just assume that uh, just because, you know, we are able to come back into the office, that people want to come back. I'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, but also that culture is just suddenly going to write itself. You know, the organizations that thrived work-wise, productivity-wise during COVID were the ones that reset their cultures. The people that are thriving right now are the ones that reset their cultures. They made money. They made time available to, to, to really think about, well, what kind of organization do we need to become? How do we enhance this sense of belonging? It's another kind of crucial facet um, of, of remote work moving forward, that sense that when we're not together, we're not apart. I think many organize the organizations that don't spend money on culture, they're, they're the ones that are really, really struggling because um, when people come back to in, in the office, they're still separate. And then when they're at home, they're separate. And there's no sense of togetherness. There's no sense of belonging. And then this is where you get a sense from leaders that they feel that productivity is slipping. Now, my argument with this as always is, is how do you know? So every, every time you know, I start a new engagement, I'll say, what's your challenge? And they'll say, oh, you know, productivity is low. I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very real problem because obviously if the organization's not making money or not producing products or not delivering services, bad for everybody. It's bad for absolutely everybody. We don't want that. But as soon as someone says productivity is slipping, I go, okay, cool. Show me the numbers. Oh, well, we just know. Well, that's kind of not good enough, really, because in order to, to change something, we need to understand what those measures are so that we can actually demonstrate an improvement. Every time I start a new piece of culture work, always measure where we're at right now so that we can provide that. You know, we can demonstrate here's the improvements that we've made by doing this activity. And there's always, and as soon as you work on culture, always improvements. If only to prove to the naysayers that, hey, this was a good idea. We should do this all of the time. Um, but whatever the goal is, increasing engagement, increasing productivity, increasing sales, um, increasing psychological safety, um, all of these things. Uh, it's crucially important that we, we measure them. But then... We work together as a group of humans to actually redefine the culture that we need to successfully work together in this post-pandemic kind of hybrid work, whatever hybrid means to you, very, very briefly. So again, I talk about this in the hybrid handbook. So, so when we say hybrid, hybrid, very few, very, very few organizations are doing true hybrid. The tech companies are doing it because they're, they're really well set up to do it. And you know what? And I think that, um, I mean, it's not true of every individual, 
But they have a level of their employees have a level of emotional maturity that you don't often see in other organisations. I think that's a key factor too. Um, yeah, so so hybrid is where the team works together to recognise the work that needs to be done, and then they decide where they need to do it. You know, it's a high trust environment is where the team gets to decide where they're going to work. That's true hybrid, and that's for me that's the panacea. For, for most organisations is to get to the point where you trust your, your employees so much that, that they decide where they want to work. You know, I was speaking to someone recently and he said, you know, the problem with many organisations is that they hire adults, but they treat them like kids. And I understand that that viewpoint. I don't think it's 100% true, um, but, but, but I do understand that point of view. Uh, remote is where everybody is just kind of working in different places. There's no real kind of commonality. Distributed teams at Lassian Software Company in Sydney, they, they, they talk about a lot about distributed teams, which I really like. Essentially, it, it, it's teams with the access to the same tools who work in different locations. Um, and so, you know, organisations have kind of got a mix of this, you know, in office, out of office. You know, organisations are coming up with names for it now because they think that's a good idea. Flex with purpose. Work your way. Yeah, omni-connected, that was one of them, terrible. Uh, flexibility with intentionality, like employees don't care. What they what employees care about most of all is there's no one who wants to do a bad job. Everyone wants to do a good job. They want to get paid well for the job that they do. They want to see a career path. They want to be able to save money to go on holiday. You know, I'm an optimistic realist. Most people work so that they can do the things that they love, Right. But they want to be involved in that decision-making process. It's like going on a journey. You always enjoy the journey more if you've had a say in where you're going and what you're doing and when you're stopping and all of those kinds of so great things. You know, in the, in the research, less than a third of organisations are truly hybrid. You know, you've got, you've, got a, you've got a third that have kind of way more structure um, and then another third who, who literally can't work. And we, we do forget that. There's only 20% of the world's workforce that can actually work in a, in a hybrid way. So it is the minority, not that you'd think that read in the press who seem to make it a thing every day. So, so you know, you do need that change in culture. And that's important because you can't tell people to come back to the office and not expect a blowback. And I think this is something that, that um, many leaders underestimate. They think they can mandate the days that people have to come back to the office and people will be happy about it. They will not. Uh, now, often the they th leaders will say, oh, it's because they don't want to come back to the office. And it, it, it's partly that. Listen, it's part, I'm not going to say that it's not. For, that's the minority of people certainly in my experience and people that I've spoken to, it's the fact that they haven't been involved in the decision-making. The fact that they haven't been involved in the process. Also, the organisations come up with these arbitrary days. Now, I was asked about by a CEO recently, and he said, listen, I want to bring my people back into the office. You know, And I said, okay, cool. It's like, listen, we can work together on this. We can work on the communication. We can work on the, the reset, the culture. He was like, okay, great. Like we've kind of mapped out a little bit of a program about how we're going to do this, uh, working with his leadership team. But he said, which days should I choose or which day should we choose? I was like, well, if we want to do this properly, we, we kind of don't choose the days. 
oh, well, what if everybody comes in on the same day? We don't have the desk for that. I was like, they won't come in on the same day. Well, what if they do? I was like, they won't. But what if they do? I was like, well, we could keep going. We could keep doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks, but they won't all come in on the same day. And if they do come in on the same day, how amazing is that going to be? Because what you'll get is people spilling out and doing work in lobbies and coffee shops and there'll be a real buzz and people will say, why haven't we done this before? Too often we try and impose our ways of working on employees. Oh, we're all going open plan. Oh, we're all going cubicles. Uh, Everything has to be a meeting. Employees want choice, plain and simple. They want the choice. Um, And so you can't mandate the days and end not expect disengagement. Also, who decided that productive work happened on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Who decided that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday were the days? Like, who decided that? Why? Um, now, if if you're genuinely struggling for space and, and some organisations took the opportunity to, to save money on office space, I mean, you could call it scrimping. I'm not going to do that. You could do that. Um but they took the, the opportunity to downsize. And I guess I understand to a degree why they would do that, even though at the time uh, when I started this podcast, I was like, don't downsize your office space just yet because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, then, then, then maybe you need some form of rotor system, but I would still put my trust in managers to do this between themselves to make sure that uh, you don't have to. Because, because people will still see it as regimented. I know, but Colin... Why? People will still see it as regimental. It's no, you telling people to come back into the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is no different than you telling them to come back in Monday to Friday, nine to five. Trust me, you're still mandating the days and hours in the office and most people want that choice. However, if you want it, and I've worked with a few organisations who've brought their people back at nine to five in the office, you've just got to handle it sensitively. You've got to work with employees. You've got to create little um, groups. We used to call them employee resource groups. Oh, crazy. A little ERG around back to the office. Now, this can't be all managers. It can't be all senior. It can't be all the same old, same old people that get involved in this. If you're a unionized organization, of course, it has to involve union representatives. They're not going to be happy because they never are. <laughs> Former union man myself, we just never were happy. Um, it, it, it's just going gonna, gonna, to listen, there's going to be disagreements. You have to make the point that you can't please everybody. Um, but what you want to do is do it in the right way. And you you want to create a mode of working that enhances inclusion. Most organizations are going to do it. Um, I'm going to write a blog on diversity and inclusion uh, uh, next week. I think I'll do that. And, um, you know, one of the things that we forget is these are all different things. Diversity, inclusion, you know, equity, belonging, they're all different things. And yet we try and lump them together. And then it's very conveniently, we forget about them when there are things that we want to push through. Listen, some examples, Amazon ordered their employees back three days a week. It did not go well. Uh, Disney ordered their employees back four days a week. It did not go well. Apple did the same. They did Apple. Apple's employees wrote an open letter of disgust to the management team. We're a technology company. And these things trash your reputation. As an employer, and people are going to leave, and you want to do it in a way where you only lose the people that you're happy to lose. You're going to lose people if you're moving from a highly flexible model and you're asking people to come back into the office five days a week. You're going to lose people. That's all right, as long as they're not the people you want to lose. And see, you know, every now and again, you're going to have to lose those people. But if that's the decision that you've made, and you know, I'm not judgmental at all about the reasons that people have. 
then fine, you're going you're gonna to lose some people. And that's okay. And then the, the people that you hire, the people who, who, who are okay to work in an office, you know, it's, yes, it's a, it, feel, it feels like the opposite of the way that the world is working right now. But if that's your decision, that's your decision. There's still a right way to do it, right? And you can still have a fully in-person culture that is the envy of others. I worked with a local council here in Australia. They brought everybody back post-pandemic because they had a mix of inside and outside staff. And they said it was unfair on the outside staff. They, um, you know, they had a program where they introduced greater flexibility, which should always have been a thing, but pandemic enhanced that. They changed the kind of rules and inverted commas around that. Um, and they brought everybody back full time and everybody knew that. And if you if you needed increased flexibility in a week, it was very much a management call. And they did it to make sure that, you know, that it was managed in a way that people didn't take the mick. Um, um, and, you know, take, take, sorry, take advantage. Take the mick. It's very scousing. Take the mick, lads. They did it in a way they didn't take the mick. Didn't take advantage of it. And, and so that there was equity. And it worked really, really well. Really, really well. Um, and then the other thing that they did, and I know because I was part of it, is that we retrain managers. And that's the third point that I want to make. You know, kind of the, the first point is that a change in working conditions requires a change of culture, a deliberate change in culture. And, and don't be put off. It can be done. Please don't put it in the too hard basket. For years, leaders have been saying changing culture is too hard. It's really not. It's really not. If you need some help, let me know. I'll give you some pointers. I do these free blueprint calls where I, you know, kind of lay out a bit of a plan. No obligation. You can take it away, do what you want with it. I mean, better if you bring me in, but you can, you can take it away and do what you want with it. It's, it's really not as hard as people make it out to be. It just takes a bit of time, a bit of money, a bit of dedication. The second thing is, is mandating people to come back on specific dates. It's going to generate disengagement. And so, you know, if you've done number one, it definitely helps. But by creating those little groups to really help you understand, well, what are the things that we need to work on? You know, what are those elements of our office that we need to change? How do we need to communicate it? You know, how do we need to stagger it? What what rotors, if any, do we need? You know, if you do that as a as an employee group rather than as a senior leadership team, and this is where people and culture, you know, really step into the second part of their name there. They really step into that role uh, and they become the leaders of this new, refreshed, you know, revived culture. But then a third thing of that, the third part is, is, is for organisations to really double down on providing managers with a set of skills fit for 2024 when I'm recording this and beyond. For too, for, for too often, you know, organisations have wasted, you know, hundreds of thousands, billions of dollars um, on kind of leadership development problem. There's a really interesting piece of research that's just come out of MIT Sloan about leadership development and, and how it's failing um, organizations. You know, it's, it's, it's focused more on positive reaction to the program that they produce rather than providing people with the practical skills. And this is often why cultures stagnate is managers don't have the skills to build it in the first place, don't have the skills to maintain it. They don't have the skills to address it when it becomes toxic and, and consequently it doesn't get worse and so managers need a new set of skills because the skills that they have if they have them in the first place are redundant so they need to be good at setting expectations they need to be good at having difficult conversations they need to be great at communication they need to be great at negotiation they need to be great at building trust 
all of these things, they're deliberate about all of these things. They need to be great at building vibrant subcultures, vibrant teams. It's a skill that centers around the six pillars of, of, of culture. You know, what, what, what's our vision or purpose? What's our set of values? And how do we practice those on a day-to-day basis? How do we build relationships between people? One of the key elements of, of hybrid working culture is maintaining relationships between people. You know, how do we make sure that we behave well when we're interacting digitally as well as in person? How do we collaborate? How do we use the technology? How do we use the tools? What are our negotiables? What are our non-negotiables? And then how do we make time for innovation? How do we use the data? You know, how are we creative again when we're virtual and when we're in person? We need to provide managers with the skill sets on how to do all of these things. It takes two days and then they're set. They're set for the next 18 months until those skills need a little bit of a refresher. And at that point, what you've got is not only a really good blueprint of what back to the office looks like, You've also got the foundational culture for people to walk into, for people to contribute to. And then you've got managers who provide a level of consistency in upholding the culture that you that you kind of want to evolve to become this vibrant culture um, so that everyone can be the best version of themselves. And when we set expectations really, really well, um, when managers have got the skills to ask the right kind of questions, we avoid this kind of at-home procrastination and this attention drain. We avoid burnout because actually we're, we're really good at setting boundaries about when we're working and when we're not working. We're maintaining those relationships, those connections, whether we're together or whether we're not. And we're introducing kind of new standards around online communication, online behavior, uh, online uh, collaboration. All of these things contribute to the success of hybrid. Only 20% of managers have the skills to actually manage in a, in a remote environment. So is it any wonder, and I include the very senior leaders in this, so is it any wonder that the back to office has become a real struggle? However, it's something that with a bit of thought, with a bit of planning, with a bit of time, a little bit of money, and with some dedication to do it in the right way, then it's it's a puzzle that you can solve uh, and you can do it relatively quickly if you wanted to do that. And that's it. That's your Culture and Coffee podcast for today. I hope, to enjoy, I hope you enjoyed it. And of course, if you've got any questions, uh, you can drop me a note, Colin at colindellis.com. If you connect on LinkedIn, you can fire me a message there. Um, otherwise, if you've got anything you want me to cover, just drop me a note and let me know. Have a great day. Try for now. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more about how I can help you transform the culture of your team, head to my website at www.colindellis.com.